Good morning. Welcome on in on this Tuesday morning, January 25th. Thanks for joining us. We are in the heart of the NBA season right now. It's all about the NBA. We still got football. Football will be coming on in the weekend for sure. We'll be talking about football. The conference title games with the winner obviously going to the Super Bowl two weeks later. Yeah, still still thinking about what we saw two days ago. Was just unbelievable. Really, three days ago, when you factor in the weekend, and Saturday and Sunday, NFL at its best. Playoff action really, really gets me going. It doesn't really matter the sport now. The more popular the sport, the more I like the sport. Obviously, it's going to get me even more excited. And I was so pumped up for the NFL. I said it earlier that it's all about the NFL in the playoffs. I think they got the best playoff season that they that anybody could have now probably have some bias because it's right now but anyway that's what i think and i'm pk dj's off today thanks for listening to us we'll have riley jensen coming in in about an hour didn't want him to get up so early yeah i want to ask him some stuff he's going to have some stuff about college football what uh, what do we expect jackson dart to do the transfer kid who went to roy and then corner canyon i believe he's going to old miss i believe that's what he's told some people particularly people who've told me that's what he's told them. <laughs> so, yeah, I buy that. And we'll see whenever he's ready to make his announcement. Obviously, that's what it'll be. But BYU will be fine there with their quarterback situation for sure. They've got some players, namely Jaron Hall. He is going to be really good. The big thing for him is can he stay healthy? If he can stay on the field, he will take care of business. There is no doubt about that. And I know, speaking of BYU coaches, they're extremely excited about having the opportunity to work with him next year. They believe that he has NFL potential. And they know what they're talking about. They know what an NFL quarterback is all about, don't they? Yeah, I think they do. So I believe them when they say that. It's just for him staying healthy. And that's just where it's got to be. That's the most important thing. I don't know who the backup quarterback's going to be. Baylor Romney announced his intentions to leave. I'm not sure it's Conover. I don't know that he's got the job won. I don't necessarily believe that. I think they'll have a competition. We'll see uh, who does better in spring ball and then in training camp. But that'll wait. We'll discuss the the dart decision. The dart decision is imminent, obviously. BYU were somehow to get him. That would be massive. I don't think it's going to happen. I believe he's going to Old Miss to play for Lane Kiffin, where he can get out on the field basically virtually immediately as far as that goes. I think that's exactly what will happen. So we'll see how that develops. The Jazz had the game last night. You saw it, didn't you? Did you watch it? I know I did. Yeah. I was underwhelmed about the uh, opportunity for them to win, given the fact that literally every starter was out. This is crazy, man. This is twice in the span of a few weeks, and Joe Ingles didn't play. So if you go by Clarkson as the sixth man, Ingles as the seventh man, six of your top seven out, it's like a common occurrence now. I know there's circumstances involved, but man, this is the game is so dramatically different than what it used to be, isn't it? I mean, obviously the way they play is different with the amount of threes, but going back. It's not that long ago where you knew who was going to play and he played every every game, basically, did what they were supposed to do. And here, not just one, but multiple starters out all the time. 
No, it's not the same guys who are out all the time, but it seems like somebody's out all the time. I guess uh, if you get together and have a run in the postseason, doesn't really matter. Maybe it matters to the people who are paying the tickets to go watch him play. That doesn't include me, so it's not coming out of my wallet. <laughs> I'm not disappointed. If I were, if I was paying, I would be disappointed. But anyway, without all those guys, Jazz put up a good fight, obviously. Losing 115 to 109. Suns were without two starters themselves. Crowder and Aiton. I said I told DJ earlier, man, this Biz, uh, Biombo for uh, the Suns. Pick him up off the scrap heap. 16 points, 13 boards in 31 minutes. And that's pretty good production. Obviously, Chris Paul and Booker are the best guard combination in the league. Am I missing anybody? Anybody jump out at you? I mean, they had a combination of 60 points, 17 assists, 16 boards. Uh, played big minutes. Chris Paul playing 40 minutes. Now, they come to Salt Lake tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. We'll see who's available for the Jazz. Who's playing there? I don't know. We'll find out who might be eligible in terms of health to be able to get out on the floor. Hopefully, it's everybody. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Mitchell with his concussion protocol and Gobert with the calf strain. Now, they say Bogdanovich can have uh, the finger issue, but that he can play through it. Hopefully, man. And I, I guess maybe uh, just get to the all-star break and recalibrate at that point. I mean, the guys who played, got to like uh, them getting an opportunity. Pascal continues to impress me, doesn't he? I think he does, yeah. I think he's got some talent there. And uh, he's got some energy that he provides. Some hustle. You know, he didn't start 25 minutes, 14 points, four boards. He's certainly got muscle. He's got a thick body, doesn't he? I think he does, yeah. A house. The newcomer gave him a little bit of a lift. And Trent Forrest, man. 17 points, six assists. And I think that's valuable. I think that's the number one thing that's the most valuable in all this situation here with all these guys in and out of the lineup is that he's getting an opportunity. And he ought to now be able to have some good confidence to when he's called upon. Because he will be called upon at some point when it really, really matters that he should be able to know, okay, I found a little spot in this league. He's developed under Quinn Snyder and this staff. Good for him. Good for them. And finding a player, I thought he looked good. You know, the odd thing is you had House and Gay and Whiteside as the starters up front with uh, Clarkson and Forrest in the backcourt. And Gay, House, and Whiteside, all were, each of them, were four of nine from the field. That's odd, isn't it? So the Suns go down. And I should say the Jazz go down. I was going to say the Suns, they rise, man. As they go to 37-9. and nine. Jazz are now like eight games. In fact, they are eight games behind the Suns. Kiss the good best record in the league goodbye. It doesn't matter. I understand that. Everybody's quick to point out they had it last year, and it didn't matter. I get it. But I don't have them at fourth or fifth, which is where they are right now. They're in fourth, and Dallas is charging, man. Ten of their last 12. We'll see how that plays out. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. And when we talk to him, 
Talk to him about uh, some crazy things that he's seen, big foul discrepancies, how do you handle losses, all that type of stuff, which is just, gosh, it's tough because we saw that the football team's devastating losses and all that. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland, is joining us. Steve Cleveland's weekend interview with DJ and PK is brought to you by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agriculture, irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Steve, uh, DJ's off. Jay Scott, who is our jazz uh, radio guy, is joining us. Uh, so, first off, good morning. Good morning. And I want to get into something that's a little bit different today with you. And I know you can speak to this because I know you've been there. Um, I saw Bobby Hurley got suspended coaching at ASU. And they played at Stanford over the weekend. And the foul discrepancy was a free throw, not fouls, but free throw discrepancy. Stanford shot 41 and the Sun Devils shot nine. And including with one second to go, they called a foul on ASU with the score tied, and the Stanford guy made all three, so they lose the game. I can recall a couple of times. I, I think it might have been the Cable Car Classic. You guys were playing at, at Santa Clara. I don't remember who you were playing. I don't think it was Santa Clara, but I don't remember. And the foul discrepancy was so nuts that you looked like you were going to burst. And Dave Rose did burst. He ended up getting a technical foul in that game, if I remember. But 41-9. to if you're on the nine end of that forty-one to nine, what are you thinking as a coach? You know, I have been in those situations, and it's really frustrating uh, when it's going on. And, and and there are times, you know, I mean, I coach enough games to know if we're not attacking the basket and we're playing soft, that you know, those things can happen sometimes. But you know what? Officials are human. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, I'm not saying officials have agendas or they got something out for you. You feel that way sometimes, especially, in, and usually those things do happen on the road more than at home. But it, it, it is frustrating. And I think what you have to really concern yourself with is, is the players because they have, they're the ones that are playing. I mean, and I, and I, I have, I mean, I, I didn't get thrown out of a bunch of games or anything, and I didn't get a lot of technicals. But when I did get technicals, it, it, you know, it was really clear that I was upset and that I felt that we, that we were being taken advantage of. And so I do believe that coaches have to stand up for their teams. You know, and I do believe that a technical once or twice or three times or whatever, it, it is not a big deal. But you have to protect your guys. And with it, the thing that irritates me in those kinds of situations is just be consistent. And, and that's what happens when you start watching games is you go – Man, they're getting every call. Well, they're going north south. They're always, you know, they're attacking the basket, and you know, you can make up those kind of excuses. They're more aggressive to the rim. That's why you know there's more fouls being called. But typically, I, in my experience, I, I would talk to the officials, and I'd say, you know, just explain to me why they shot 27 free throws. We're two very good basketball teams here, and we shot three. What what is it that we're not doing? I, I would just go up to them and not do it at a time where I'm screaming and yelling at them. I'm not going to get anything out of that. That's just going to make them upset. But I, I had good luck in terms of turning that thing at times, most times. You said, just watch what's going on here. Let me make you aware of it. There's three of you out there. <laughs> you know, somebody's got to see what's going on. 
Coach, I want to ask you uh, about what Mark Pope's doing right now at uh, at BYU. But I'll, I I played not that you care about this, but I played high school uh, tennis and uh, at Skyline here locally. And uh, my sophomore year, we had the three best tennis players, not me, in the state. And I don't think they lost a, a set all year. And uh, and we won the state championship. And our coach got the coach of the year. And I can't remember what exactly his quote was, but it was basically like, I don't know why you're giving me this award. All I did was tell those guys to go out there and play. It was the easiest coaching job of my entire career. <laughs> and uh, with what Pope's doing to continue to win basketball games, taping it together without your your bigs, is this should we be giving him more credit for coming up with game plans to to still get W's? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, there is credit to be given here because this team, you know, both of those bigs, uh, you know, and, and Baxter was bouncy and athletic, but Harvard is the guy that took up so much space, and it just made it really difficult. Now. So, yeah, the answer to that question is yes, you do give Mark Pope credit. They've had to, and every coach has to go through this. We all lose guys. You don't lose usually your two senior, and one's, well, I guess they're both senior bigs. Uh, and I don't know if they're coming back next year or what the circumstances are. But it has given them, it, this opened an opportunity. You know, once somebody's disappointment turns into an opportunity here, priori, uh, you know, Loner is finally starting to play a little bit, but to watch Seneca Knight and Gideon George and Tiki, these guys have all grown and gotten better. And, and I know George is a senior, but but at the end of the day, he's getting to play more. And what's happened is that this team defensively is so connected and so solid, and 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 they rebound it. And I and I think that one of the one of the good things. Is when you go smaller, and, and this you consider a six 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 six, you know seven six seven guys in the post, is they can they can switch almost everything, which makes it them better defensively. They are, they already have that physicality. They ha- they have that really toughness about them, and and I think the coaching staff has brought that out in them. But a lot of them will come there, come there with it. I mean, you're talking about. Barcello as a guard is a really tough kid. Lucas, really tough kid. Nell, really tough kid. Traore and, and Gideon Knight, I thought, was a, a little bit soft when he was younger. But his competitiveness and his toughness, that all of those guys, Johnson, uh, it's just amazing to me how solid and connected they've been defensively. And, and, I, and I attribute that to the coaching staff, but I also attribute it to it's it's easier to play great defense, uh, especially when you're playing two games a night or three games in a week, that you are switch everything. You can get up into people. You know, and, and I'm watching college basketball, and a lot of it looks like the NBA. And everybody is running dribble handoffs. And everybody's running screens, slip the screen, another dribble handoff try to turn the corner and go north-south, it's really hard for teams to go north-south against BYU because they're literally, when they're switching, it's body-to-body, hand-to-hand, and it doesn't matter. So Traore can guard a guard. Loner can guard a guard. You know, Barcello, they're guarding guards already. And, 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 and guys like Lucas who are 6'3", 6'4", just strong bodies. Gideon, I think George is, I think he's 6'6", or 6'7". Uh, Knight, not quite as thick, but he is athletic. They're really good defensively. Really, really good defensively. It's it's one of the better defensive teams that I've ever seen at BYU. 
And yet nobody wants to suspect that, but a lot of it has to do with the, 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 the team and how it's connected and how because of their size, their athleticism and quickness, there's not many mismatches. You know, and, and Traore is strong enough, even though he's smaller size, against guys that are 6'10 or 6'11, he, he's strong enough to get guys off the block so they don't get comfortable there as well. And, and I, I really, I think that well, I've watched most of the BYU games. And I, I think if, yes, Marcello is really special. Lucas is a really special guard. They can create and make plays. But they hang their hat on, on defending the ball. I really believe that, and, and just being together defensively. I think that's the strength of this team. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens here in conference play. And I, I think the conference is, is better. Some of the teams that haven't been very good for – I mean, I didn't expect USD to come in and give BYU a game, and they, they gave BYU a game. And, uh, they're, you know, there's four or five teams, USF, St. Mary's, they're all pretty tough. And even Santa Clara, I've watched Santa Clara play up here, and uh, – They've had some good wins. So I think the league is better than it's ever been. And uh, is, is from top to bottom, it's better. And win championships, get to postseason. You know, were, you know the old adage that, you know, great offense puts people in the seats and defense wins championships. Well, I think you need both. But I think this team defensively is really special. Our basketball insider Steve Cleveland joining us. I wanted to go a general question. You know, the NFL games were sensational, and you had spoken about Josh Allen being from a small town in the San Joaquin Valley up by you guys, so you know his story probably pretty well. And it looked like they were yeah. going to win, and then 13 seconds to go, the kick, and then overtime. And you see his dad celebrating wildly when they score and looking like, wow, we're just 13 seconds away of going for the ASC title game. This is awesome. And then it gets snatched away. I mean, sports can be so cruel. It's, it, it, every single person, no matter what level, has had their heart crushed. <laughs> and I'm sure you've been in that situation. You had some NCAA tournament games, particularly that one yep. again. Syracuse at over in Denver that looked like you had an opportunity yeah. to win. I remember being in the locker room, and gosh, it couldn't have been any worse. And can you speak to how it is from a coaching perspective uh, to put everything into it and then to come up short and just how difficult it is to deal with and, and get over? Boy, you know, those are – very, very, very difficult times, especially when you know, especially when you get into meaningful times of the year, where it's in a, it's in tournament play, it, it's uh, in you know playing for championships, it's playing to get to the NCAA tournament, or maybe just even getting to the NIT. And how critical and big this game is to, for the whatever program it is to take the next step. And you know, last night I'm watching that, and I'm over at my son's. It was his birthday, and and, and I, we do have friends that. Uh, are friends with the Allens. And, and, and so there's a connection that I don't know him personally, but I especially look at the journey this kid took, you know, Fireball High School, some small high school in Central Valley, goes to Reedley Junior College, which no one's heard of, and, and you know, down by, you know, southeast of Fresno. And, uh, and then he plays at Wyoming, which, you know, they've had some good football teams, but I wouldn't say that's a really elite high-level football in terms of top 20 teams in the country. And to see this kid perform like he did, I mean, I, I'm telling you right now that my grandsons and my son, just because we've got a connection. And I listen, I I love Kansas City, and I love Coach Peter. I mean, I, I love their Mahomes. I mean, it's like I always pull for Kansas City. 
I found myself last night pulling for an underdog, a guy that who had just done something special. And when that happened, man, I'm telling you, right, it kind of ruined my evening for about 20 or 30 minutes. It's like you know, I got so, I hardly ever get engaged now that I'm not coaching in a team. My grandsons maybe, but I just don't get engaged. Last night was one of those nights, and so I can remember you. You talked about you know us playing Connecticut, UConn, and us playing Syracuse, where we had opportunities in the last minute of the game to win the game, make a free throw, and you know whatever it might have been. And those are those are they are they just make your gut ache <laughs> to be honest with you. you you just you feel so badly because you you know and the reason you feel bad is because you've worked so hard you've done everything to get there and you love these kids and you want them to be successful and uh yeah it's just like falling off a two-story building flat you know it's like oh my gosh and i mean you get through it you work through it uh but when those things happen at the end of the year it lives with you a little bit and eventually you just got to get out and get back on the road recruiting and get back out doing and keeping yourself busy. And eventually that really strong feeling in your gut that felt bad goes away. And all of a sudden you realize that, you know what, there's light. There's light at the end of the tunnel here. We're going to go find better guys. We're going to go get guys here. We're going to do some different things schematically. And you just start, that's what you do each year. You just take, take one more step, try to get yourselves a little better. But it, it, it is heartbreaking. I'd be lying to you if, you, if I didn't say that because it, you, you just get really – and, and you know what? The highs, the euphoria that comes from winning games like that, last-second shots, uh, it's, it's just absolute jubilation. You know, and guys are hugging each other and the, the chemistry of a team. And, and the funny thing is, oftentimes, through our losses and through our challenges, is when we make the greatest growth and develop the greatest chemistry – and and that's what pulls teams together, and I mean, and I and I consider most of the teams I, I've coached. I mean, I, there's a few teams that I look back and we could have been more connected, but I usually had really good relationships with the guys. Our coaches had good relationships with the guys, and so it wasn't just one guy hurting because he missed a one-on-one free throw or turned the ball over. It's everybody, and I I saw that. I mean, last night Mahomes, rather than celebrating, runs trying to find. You know, Alan, he went, where is he? And, he, you know, and he just embraces him and hugs him because he knows what he feels like because he's had that same experience. That kind of respect in competition, uh, fans sometimes maybe don't notice, but uh, you, you do as a coach. So, yeah, I, I felt bad for them last night. I, I mean, I love the Reeds, and you know, I, I pulled for them forever. But for last night, it was the, the little kid, that, the young boy from – Fireball that went to Reedley College that went to Wyoming and finds himself on the biggest stage in sport and just shines and still didn't win. And so it's, it's not it's not fun sometimes, but uh, it's, it'll be back. And uh, but um, like I said, I've always rooted for Kansas City, but for, for whatever reason, I kind of got emotionally attached to to this kid from the Central Valley, just knowing his story and knowing his family. All right, that was Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Coming up next, we'll get you all the Jazz postgame as we do after every game. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Good morning. Welcome on in on this Tuesday. Jazz go down and lose to Phoenix. As we do every game, get you all the comments from the players and Coach Quinn Snyder with the best of the Jazz postgame starting right now. 
Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz were extraordinarily shorthanded against the Phoenix Suns last night. Come away with a loss, but fought hard. 115-109 to 109 is uh, your final. The Jazz actually had a two-point lead going into the fourth quarter, but Chris Paul put on a show in the fourth, and Phoenix uh, pulls ahead and hangs on for the uh, the victory. The Jazz did not have any of their starters in this. Their starting lineup was Jordan Clarkson, Trent Forrest, Hassan Whiteside, Daniel House, and Rudy Gay. Uh, they were led by Clarkson's 22. Uh, Forrest had a nice game with 17. House had 14. Pascal with another nice game, 14 points coming in off the bench. Jared Butler uh, had 13. Uh, Rudy Gay had 13 and 5 rebounds. Uh, but as I mentioned, Chris Paul absolutely spectacular in the fourth quarter. He had 27 points, 14 assists, and 9 boards for the game. Devin Booker had a great first half, cooled off a little bit in the second, but finished the game with 33 points on 14 of 35 shooting and uh, 3 of 13 from 3, not to mention 7 boards and 3 assists. Cameron Johnson also had 20 points for the Suns. So let's get some postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Just intensity and competitiveness. Um, you know, I think there's playing hard is, you know, is as much of a skill as anything else. It's just, you know, you saw a guy that's hungry and played hard. And we had a lot of guys, you know, collectively we played hard. And that that's, um, you know, credit to our guys because the team we played plays hard. You know, and that's why it was such a competitive game, you know, and, you know, I think what Chris did in the fourth quarter, he's, he's unique, obviously. Um, but I was, was pleased with our competitiveness. You know, I think we, you know, you'd like to win. I felt that way the other night. You know, we're, you know, I think we're, that that's something that, that our team needs to continue to replicate night in and night out. That's, that's something that was, that's within our control is playing with that level of intensity. And Dan, Daniel does it. Mm. I was going to say, you mentioned pre game gas, so you take it the first few sets that you want to be competitive. It seemed like once those early jitters in the first few minutes were out of the way, it was like that was out of the Yeah, we had, I mean, we had breakdowns early. We, we made mistakes to get down 7-0. So, I mean, I think some of it, um, having a comfort level offensively to attack, but, you know, the, the early lead was for things that, um, you know, we were switching when we shouldn't switch. We had, we had some breakdowns. And there's some things that, you know, against a team like that, you have to have a game plan. And, you know, on a back-to-back, you're going through a ballroom. So, you know, some of that's to be expected. But, again, that you know, that mental focus and that competitiveness, those are the things. You're not going to be perfect. But, um, you know, I thought we cleaned some of those things up. And, you know, sometimes, regardless, forget the coverage, forget the schemes, you know, you just compete and talk and you can make things work, you know, and that's, that's what some of our guys did tonight. Obviously talked about track a lot before tonight, maybe has a seven, such a vulnerable. I don't think that he did. He did great. I mean, I don't think there's anyone that watched the game would, would feel the same. And, you know, this is, you know, when you're playing in that role behind, you know, two guys that were, 
an all-star backcourt last year. Whatever, you know, that looks like, you know, Mike and Don and obviously um, core of our team. And so Trent's not going to get those opportunities all the time. And, but he's been, you know, you guys don't get a chance to see practice and some of the things and, but he's just steadily improved and um, talked about him just being confident to, you know, to take that corner three, he took two of them. You know, we believe in him taking that shot and, you know, people are going to go under him on pick and roll. He has the ability to, you know, to get in the lane and make plays too. So, um, and then again, on the defensive end, his length makes him a factor. There hasn't been many practices to watch, you know, so. Mm-hmm. He, seems, he seems more confident than you would expect from a player who doesn't fit in. Well, I, I think, you know, one of the things that happens, um, you know, even if there aren't, you know, team practices, there's those guys put in a lot of work, you know, particularly the guys that aren't playing heavy minutes. We try to keep them, keep them in shape and keep them getting better. And so that, that, that work, anytime you invest like that, and he's someone that steadily, you know, I remember him giving him a hard time on first day of practice. He took a charge. Um, and I still remember that. And, you know, as a young player, you're, you're finding your way and you're learning. And, um, you know, he's gotten knocked back a couple of times with the ankle last year, obviously, you know, the D league season, he wasn't able to participate in last year. Um, cause there really wasn't one. Um, and even this year, you know, he's, he's kind of picked up steam and he got COVID right after that. He played really well at Toronto. Um, you know, so that that's something I think that, you know, our coaching staff and our players, you know, take pride in, you know, really pushing guys to get better. And it's a credit to Eli more than any anybody else, obviously, because that's something that he's committed to and is unbelievably coachable. And uh, as you said, I think he understands that we have confidence in him when he's got to throw ahead, catch and shoot three. Um, And he's able to make some plays too. He got caught in traffic a little tonight that, that, you know, we all did because they're so long and, and collapsed, but he also did a really good job. Do it. Just do it. At some point, like it's, you know, do it. You do it, you win, you don't, you lose. You don't always win when you do do it, but if you don't do it, it's hard. I mean, I just like you get confidence from playing hard and playing together and you get confidence from having an identity and our identity as a team has gone in and out at times this year. So that confidence will come when we continue to perform at a certain level, um, whether we win or lose. And, um, you know, we've got, you know, months before that 
that happens. And you guys have heard me say it a bunch. I, I, I want to be the best version of ourselves, you know, at the right time. And that means keep getting better. And, you know, I think what we saw tonight was, you know, some guys really digging in and doing things to help us get better. And I think everybody felt that, even the guys that didn't play. And that just has to be, that's the standard. There you go. That's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Let's now move on to uh, the players. Uh, let's start out the player sound with rookie Jared Butler. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's just reps and um, experience. And like you said, like, it's like the first time. The second time I feel more comfortable. I know what kind of what to expect. And, um, yeah, I think just for me, it's just experience and reps. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was a good night. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with the lineup and everybody kind of, you know, not being like the normal jazz, um, it took, it took the whole team. I think for the most part, we brought our energy. We competed at a high level. We, you know, we had the mental focus for sure. And I think they're a great team. And, um, like a few plays, you know, were the difference between us winning and losing. And, um, I mean, you can accredit that to mental toughness for sure, but um, I think we, we got it. We we had mental toughness throughout the game. That makes sense. I mean, uh, plus minus. Um, you know, I don't know if it's super credible, but, you know, it's something I look at. And it's like, oh, you know, who, who's impacting the game, stuff like that. Like I think the mental toughness, like we, we didn't come out there expecting to lose. We didn't, we didn't go out there expecting, okay, like we're playing, you know, top team in the West, like let us just, you know, lay down and, you know, get, get shots up. Like we, we intentionally came out there to win and, um, I think things like that is going to help us throughout the whole season. So, yeah. How much better does it feel, like just throughout the course of the game, that you can see a shot go through? <laughs> it's it's good for me because you know I like to shoot the ball a lot, and um, especially the first one going in, it's super important. But um, but yeah, it feels really good. What's the difference between trying to get to your spots? It's my favorite topic question. Uh-huh. What's the difference between trying to get to your spots and get first ball or trying to get to your spots and fix it? I think it's just about the same. I mean, I think only difference between um, this and like maybe preseason is just like like for 48 minutes, you know, I think in preseason, it's just in short stints of like pressure defense or, you know, maybe high level defense. But, um, I think it's just about the same for me. I feel kind of the same feel tempo, you know, with Chris Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like one of those moments like, okay, like, dang like he dreamed of like he was literally on my wall growing up he played in new orleans he was like cb3 crescent city connection like that was like you know big for me and then hitting the three in his face is like i'm like oh my gosh you know but like it's just one of those moments man in life where you're like man you know dreams can come true um 
but it's it's a great feeling. But much respect for Chris Paul, like you know. Did you talk to him about it? Yeah, not not about that, not about the three, but you know, I. I no, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> but um, but you know, I said was up. He um he kind of reached out to me before um because he knew um. Um, when I was at Baylor winning the championship and stuff like that. So um, we kind of had prior knowledge of no, knowing each other. But other than that, I just said what's up, you know. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of, like, mental clarity because, you know, throughout the whole game, you know, there's ups and downs. And then like the last eight minutes, six minutes, there's like, okay, like this is, this is all that matters right now. Whatever happened before, it doesn't matter. And I think he has the ability to, you know, have all the weight on his shoulders and not, you know, and live with the consequences. Uh, and that's something that I kind of want to um, be like and something that I'm attracted to. But yeah, I think that's why. There's Jared Butler, 13 points off the bench in 17 minutes. He also had four steals, a couple of assists and a rebound. Let's now hear from Daniel House. I just control what I can control. You know what I mean? Um, just try to make sure I show up to work every day, get better every day. So when my number is called, I'm able to perform. So I'm not I'm not counting the days because they obviously they gave me another one so they they kind of believe in me well they believe in me right. <laughs> so because uh, they gave me another one so I'm just gonna ride the wave and make sure I get better. What were you saying out there tonight? Uh, I, this team has a really good chance to be extremely phenomenal. Um, we got a great staff. Uh, once the pieces fall into place, I'm, I'm I'm really gonna be excited to see it. So what makes you? What makes you say that? Uh, I mean, um, I mean, guys, these are today, the guys that play today are, are considered rotation in and out, but for them to take the number one team in the Western Conference and, and have a dog fight, it shows you how much toughness this team has. And uh, those, we, of course, we're not the starters. So just imagine if we are fully, fully healthy and everybody's come back. And um, I feel like this team can, can do a lot of things. So we just got to continue to work, build, and trust the process that, that Quinn is putting us through. I mean, yeah, it's some some correction, uh, a lot of a lot of communication on how we want to do stuff and what I see. So uh, Quinn trusts the process and he trusts us. So he just asked me what I see, and then if he sees something else, we just try to correct it as a unit and make sure that we can we can get a stop or a rebound or whatever we need to execute that we execute. Where do you help this team? Uh, I really, I, I really, I really do a lot of things. So I'm, I'm just still just trying to figure it out. But uh, whatever the team needs me to do, I'm just, I'm willing to do it. You mentioned that obviously tonight is not you know, mostly for dish guys that the playing. When you're competing against the Phoenix Suns, the best record in the league, and you're leading deep into the fourth quarter, like what, what was kind of the, the story tonight just in terms of why you guys are so competitive? Oh, no, we I mean, every night, we want to be competitive every night. Uh, if the starters play to, to, to the last man on the bench playing, we, that's that's what we stand for, playing hard and playing the right way. So that's always key, especially when Quinn is, is, is drawing up the game plan. Uh, of course, we've got a great coaching staff like that go back to them. Uh, they put together a nice, nice game plan, and they make sure that we execute or try to get the best looks as, as much and as often as possible. 
when you were here maybe 24 hours when you first talked to you that you already like were really enjoying being around Quinn what is what is it that can you talk highly about the question you have tell me about that uh, I, I mean, I love I love everyone here. I mean, they they welcome me with open arms, uh, accepted me. No one has ever turned me down. They always ask me if I need anything. They always making me comfortable. So, it's, especially being a guy that's been accustomed to a certain uh, certain way for years, and then come over here and be welcomed with, with loving arms, uh, it's, it's, it makes you it makes you it makes you really enjoy the process and everything. So that's why, like, I feel like. The, the staff, the organization, they just do, does an unbelievable job from top to bottom uh, just to make sure that every player on this roster have whatever they need, whenever they need, and so much more. And then with Quinn specifically, but again, this 24 hours, and you're like, I really like Quinn. Yeah, no, I, I like Quinn because his energy, his energy, his effort, uh, like, he's passionate about it. Like, we are, we are passionate about it, obviously, so, like, of course, that's going to bring chemistry uh, but not only that, he's a great dude. Off the court, he's a great dude. Like, and to me, that's 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 before basketball because being having human, human traits like that, characteristics, it speaks a lot about your character. Um, he the head coach of the Utah Jazz. He can walk around with his head up, but he don't do that. He, he want he want everybody to have the same energy. He want everybody to be on top. He want everybody to succeed because that's the type of person he is. That's he's a selfless person. What's it been like for, for you just kind of, I know it's kind of big picture, but what's it been like for you just kind of over your career just kind of having to fight for everything? I'm, I'm used to it. I don't, even, I don't even trip anymore. It is what it is. That's 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 the role that I'm assist. So I just got to learn to adapt and not look look at the bad of it. Look at the good and figure it out. There's Daniel House. 14 points for him on four of nine shooting, seven boards, four assists. He had a couple of steals and a couple of blocks as well. Let's now uh, wrap up the player sound with Trent Forrest. I feel like it slowed down because I picked up my aggressiveness defense. That's helped kind of slow the game down for me. So I would say it has, but in a sense, I still kind of push the aggressive side a little bit. What prompted that? What prompted you to pick up your aggressiveness with that? Prompted from the coaches saying with you with this? Was it just you coming to that realization after watching the film? Um, it was a combination of all of it, honestly. Um, talking to the coaches, talking to a lot of the guys on the team from literally from Don all the way down to the young guys, everybody's kind of been telling me to be more aggressive. Then even like the people, that, like my family, my mom, um, people that I'm close with, they've all been saying that as well. So it's kind of just been a combination and a kind of a mind shift, mindset switch. I talked to Mike for just a second last night. He was like, Trent's starting to confidence. Do you feel that confidence? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I mean, one of my coaches, I think KD was telling, he was like, you, you're most confident when I'm doing things aggressively, defensively. So whether it's picking up, trying to just bother people, um, that's kind of when I'm at my best. So um, I definitely feel like my confidence is starting to come back. It's just continuing to build. You still... I mean, like you're picking up backs like Devin Booker, like full court. Yeah. Do you, do you hear it from them? Um, 
Not as much. Um, I just know I'm probably honestly hear more from Mike because he's like, he tells me how guys kind of do him. So he's like, I mean, you're young, so kind of do the same thing that they try to do to me. So that's probably who I hear from most is Mike. <laughs> What's kind of the key on that? Like this when there's five starters, it's, you know, some guys are in the rotation, some guys not so much. And you go out there and like take them to the team and for most of them. What the key that? Um, just got to be locked into the game plan. Um, and I feel like we have a lot of smart guys in our, just the organization in general. So playing with each other was pretty easy. Um, like I said, everybody was kind of locked in from from the start of the game plan to the end. Um, we just had a few breakdowns there at the end. But other than that, I feel like that's what kind of kept us together and in the game for the most part. Is it more of a confidence boost? I mean, you know, it's a game that probably no one expected you guys to win, yeah. right? And you take the Phoenix Suns pretty much down to the wire. Yeah, no, it's a, a big confidence boost. I feel like for everybody, because um, I, I mean, we were on the street where we weren't playing good at all. And um, I think Coach had told us we had like 11 steals and that was like the first time in this whole year and they don't turn the ball over a lot. So just things defensively like that, it's definitely a confidence for the source. You guys going from like something to prove when it's a game like this? Um, definitely. Um, I mean, we, we know they're going to play physical. Um, and we have to be at our best to play against the best team in the NBA, arguably. So um, it's definitely a good test for us. What are the challenges of being out there with, you know, obviously, like, you, you're seeing nightly minutes, but, you know, Elijah's not always getting yeah. a chance. Jared's not always getting a chance. What are kind of the adjustments in the air for kind of guys who you're not necessarily comfortable with? Um... I wouldn't say it's not hard because they, like I said, everybody kind of knows our system as a whole. Um, so it's just for them, I feel like they have to kind of pick their spots to be aggressive as well. Um, I mean, like JB, he, he's going to shoot off the dribble and that's what we want him to do. So I feel like for them, that's kind of the balance they kind of have to find. But I mean, they played extremely well tonight. There is Trent Forrest. He got the start last night, 17 points in the loss, six rebounds, two assists. The Jazz fall to the Suns, one 15 to 109. Up next, the Jazz take on this very same Suns team coming up tomorrow night here at Vivint Arena. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 7. There you go. The best of the Jazz post-game. Coming up next, the 7 o'clock hour. You caught up in what went on in the world of sports. Give you my Jackson Dart prediction again. Riley Jensen joining us. Talk to him. He's a college football guru here locally. Pick his brain. All that coming up next. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone.